I, I got something specific on my heart this morning to share. And I, um, I actually, I feel so, this has actually been something that I feel like I've been journeying through all year long in a fresh way. So I, I feel led to just to release this this morning. I want to talk about kingdom family this morning. Uh, I, you know, I feel like, and I was telling this to the young adult group uh, a few Wednesdays um, ago. We have such an amazing young adult group. They're fiery and hungry for more Jesus. It's, they're, they're amazing. But I was telling them, I feel like for the young adult group, we've been on this journey all year long of stepping into what it looks like and what it means to live inside the context of kingdom family. And y'all, that has impacted, I wouldn't go as far as to say, this year, family has changed my life. And, and out of any other year in my life, I feel like this year, the Holy Spirit has shown me in a fresh way the importance and the power of family. And I feel like if there was ever a time in our life, because of all that's happened the past couple of years, I feel like if there was ever a time for us to lean on one another, for us to stand in the gap with one another, for us to stand on the promises of God's word with one another and encourage and empower and speak life over one another, I feel like now is that time, church. And it's my message this morning is really simple. Man, we need one another. I need you and you need me. I need what you have and you need what I have. I've discovered in my own personal journey with Jesus, man, I need family around me from time to time to remind me of who I am in Christ and who Christ is in me. I need that from time to time. We need family around us to remind us that there's nothing that we could ever be faced with that Jesus hasn't already won the victory over. We need to be reminded that we are victorious. We need family in our life, man, to remind us from time to time that God's still on the throne. That he will have the final say so. That the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. That his kingdom will not be stopped and will continue to be advanced no matter what's happening around us. Are you with me? So we need one another to remind one another of that, to speak into one another with those things. We need family, man, to encourage us to empower us and speak life over us so that, man, the things that are happening around us don't become a bigger influence than the one who lives inside of us. So that the voice and the opinion of the world doesn't become louder than the voice and the truth of God in our life. We need one another. You were not created to go at this alone. You are wired and created for relationship, first and foremost with God, and then that extends into our relationship with one another. And people go, man, well, I, don't, I, don't, I got everything I need in Jesus. I don't need anything or anyone else. As long as I have him, I have everything. And that's true too. But I would actually like to explain it this way. Jesus is the source by which everything you need flows from. He's the source of it. He's the host. He's the provider. We, we might can say it like this. Jesus is the source by which we get fed. Yeah. We're not dependent upon mankind to feed us. We're dependent upon Jesus. He's the source. But Jesus has invited the entire family to come and sit at his table and share a meal with him. 
And he tells each family member, I want you to bring your own special dish. I want you to bring your own special sauce, your own flavor to share with the rest of the family. Because what you have and what you carry is so unique and powerful and important. Because the reality is, is one of the ways that we encounter Jesus, one of the ways that we learn and grow in our relationship with Jesus, one of the ways we hear the voice of Jesus is through our relationship with one another. The kingdom of God is not made up of individuals. The kingdom of God is made up of a family. Woo! We need one another. This does not take away from your individual relationship with Jesus. This doesn't take away from your personal pursuit of who he is. Family actually adds to it. When you sit around the table with family and you begin to taste the different sauces and flavors, now Jesus is the host. He's the provider, right? He's the source, but he includes everyone to be a part of this thing. You remember, we're not just in relationship with God. We're in a partnership with him. Woo! He's chosen us to be vessels and mouthpieces and conduits and vehicles that he releases his kingdom through. He's chosen to use one another in each other's lives. So you sit around the table with your family, you begin to taste these other meals and these, these other sauces, and you realize, man, my relationship with Jesus is that much richer because of the family that surrounds me. Are you with me? Man, this doesn't take away from your individual relationship with him. Family actually adds to it. You become richer because of the family that's around you. We need one another. You weren't created to go at this alone. We were created to live inside the context of kingdom family. People go, well, you know, I don't need to go to church and plug in. I am the church. That's true, too. You are the church. But according to 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says that you are also a part of the body of Jesus Christ. And in order for the body to function together, it has to come together. You're a unique part. And in order for your unique self and that unique part to form the body and be what God called it to be, the body has to come together and grow together and learn together and empower together and fall down together and get back up together and forgive together. Woo! Now all of a sudden you have one family, one unit, one body moving together to represent the head, which is Jesus Christ, and then the kingdom of God begins to be advanced. Look at me, church. The kingdom of God will not be advanced by an individual effort. The only way that the kingdom of God can be advanced is through a family. This is a family business. Welcome to the family of God. We are a body. Man, and all throughout scriptures, man, I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, one of the major themes in God's word is family. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God says, it's not good for a man to be alone. So he created a helper. Now, there's two contexts here. One is we know there's the husband will leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife and become one. But the other context is God's just saying, it ain't good for you to be alone. <laughs> You're wired and created for a relationship. Ecclesiastes 4 9, it says that two are better than one because two get a greater return for what they do. You want to do something and do it well and get a greater return? Find somebody to do it with. Woo! We've all been invited to the family table. Man, get another sauce involved. Become richer in your relationship with Jesus, with the family that's around you. And, and 
Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us in the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Look at me, church. We're in a race with one another. How do you know that if, if you're going at this alone, you haven't joined the race yet? Right. It's not really a race if you're going at it alone. It can only be a race if you're running with other people. Are you with me? If you're going at this alone as an individual, you have not joined the race that God has set before you. And how many of you know that this race, the kingdom race, is different than any other race? In the, in the kingdom race with one another, the goal is not to compete with one another and who, see who can get to the finish line first. The goal is for us to all cross the finish line together. One family, one body. Are you with me? See, in this race, if one of your brothers or sisters falls, you don't run past them and try to get to the finish line. You stop and you pick them up. Say, come on, let's go together. In this race, if your brother or sister is struggling, you pick them up and put them on your back and carry them the distance to their stop struggling. In this race, if they're hurting, you stop and lay hands on them and invite the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. This race is different than any other race. This is a family affair. And together, we all cross the finish line together. And then we realize there's only one true winner, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus, because of who he is, everything that he does is unto us. Everything he does is for our benefit. He turns around and crowns every one of us as the victorious ones. And we realize, oh, this never has been about us. It's about Christ in us. And together, as a family, we manifest the head, which is Jesus. And the kingdom of God begins to be pushed forward. It can only happen, though, with family. We need one another. Well, I don't really need to plug into a church and be a part of a, a church family. That's just, just an organization. It ain't an organization if you're in a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. We don't gather together on a Sunday morning to be a part of an organization. We gather to be a part of a family that worships one living God. And together we encourage and empower and we send one another out and manifest the head. Woo! Listen, if anybody could have went at this alone, it could have been Jesus. He even chose 12 disciples. And the Bible actually indicates that there were about 120 that followed him everywhere he went. Man, listen, to, to be a Christian but not be plugged into a church family is like saying, I want to get married but remain single. It don't work that way. To be, a, to be a Christian but not be plugged into a church family and submitted to leadership is like saying, man, I want to get married, but I just don't know if I want to submit to my spouse. I just want to kind of live the single life. It ain't how it works. The Bible says two are better than one. Yes. We either believe it or we don't. <laughs> Listen, man, God the Father, His Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit sets this up beautifully. It's just the most beautiful picture of family. Even before we get to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, where He says it's not good for man to be alone, in Genesis 1 26, God says this, let us, <laughs> let us, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, make mankind into our image. What's God doing right there? He's establishing family. Let us make mankind into our image. He's getting rid of the hierarchy. For so long, people have been trying to figure out, is it God first and then Jesus second and the Holy Spirit? And God goes, no, this is not about me. This is about we. 
It's not one, two, three. It's three in one. God, from the very beginning, God goes, man, man, this is going to be about three in one. We're going to be one family and one body. And together, we're going to create mankind in our image. I'm getting rid of the hierarchy. I'm putting everybody on the same playing field. This is a family business, a family affair. And when you begin to live inside of the context of family and you get rid of the hierarchy, all of a sudden it changes the way that you see one another. It changes the way that you treat one another, the way you value one another, the way that you respond to one another, your eagerness to forgive, your eagerness to serve, because all of a sudden, you no longer see a bunch of individuals around you. You see your brothers and sisters that Jesus gave up his life for, and all you want to do is partner with God to love them, serve them, and honor them well. Family changes things. Hallelujah. Man, the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, again, are the great example of this. God got rid of the hierarchy. He got rid of the one, two, three, and said it's going to be three and one. This is not about me. This is about we. And all of a sudden, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit spends the rest of their life trying to out-honor one another and out-serve one another and out-empower one another. They sp- that's what's, they, and they're still doing it today. Think about this just for a second. The Father God sends his son Jesus to the earth. Right? You talk about a dad. L- listen, fathers, dads out there, God is the greatest example of, of, of the father that we need to become. Yeah. Think about God sends his son Jesus to this earth. Talk about a dad that's going to empower his son and honor him. God goes, man, it's my son Jesus. I'm going to actually put him in charge. Because it's not about me. It's about we. This is about, I'm going to put him in charge. As a matter of fact, his name is going to be the name above every other name. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Can you think about that just for a second? If you just mention my son's name, I'll give you what you ask for. I'm going to place everything under his feet. He's going to have all authority in heaven and on earth. He's going to be in charge. Talk about a dad that's empowering his son. And then you got Jesus standing there going, Dad, I can't believe you just put me in charge of everything. I can't believe you gave my name above every other name. Like, what am I supposed to do with this, Dad? You put everything under my feet. So Jesus goes, I tell you what, God. I tell you what, Dad. I'm going to make sure this whole world knows, man, that I didn't come to do my will, but to do your will. You begin to live inside the context of family. All you want to do is outserve one another. Out love one another. Out empower. Okay, Dad, I tell you what, man. I'm going to make sure. John 6, 38. I didn't come to do my will, but to do the will of my Father. And everything I say and I do is going to represent who he is, his nature, his character, his heart, and his will for you. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to say anything unless I hear you say it first, Dad. I'm not going to do anything unless I see you doing it first. And then when here comes the Holy Ghost. God goes, oh, my gosh. Man, I'm going to send the Spirit in Jesus. You actually won't be able to fulfill what I sent you to do without the Spirit and power resting on you. Oh, you're talking about a Father that empowers, man. And the Holy Spirit rests upon Jesus. And you know that Jesus did not do one miracle apart from the Spirit and His power. Everything takes place to the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit goes, oh my gosh. God, you gave me your power on the earth. I tell you what, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm never going to stop working. I'm going to constantly be moving on your behalf. Jesus, I tell you what, I'm going to spend my life delivering to everyone what you paid for them to have. 
I'm going to spend my entire life making sure you receive the full reward for your suffering. And this is big cycle of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit trying to outserve, out honor, out empower one another. Why? Because God got rid of the hierarchy when He said, "Let us make mankind into our image." This is going to be about a family. The kingdom of God cannot and will not be advanced apart from family. We need one another. Jesus is the source, but he invites us to his table and says, you're going to be a part of this thing. Are you with me this morning? Let let me share with you, if if I could boil down three things that this year the Holy Spirit has really highlighted to me when it comes to living inside of the context of family. Now listen, it is very, very rare that I will have three points to make. This is miraculous this morning. If you came to see a miracle, here you go. But the three, we're obviously not limited to these three things, but these three things are are really, I I feel like, pivotal in us living inside the context of a powerful family. Three truths about kingdom family. The first truth is that kingdom family celebrates one another. The second truth is that kingdom family loves one another unconditionally. And the third truth is that kingdom family empowers one another. Kingdom family celebrates, loves, and empowers one another towards the heart of the Father. Watch. Let's talk about this celebration. Do, Do you realize the importance and the ultimate privilege it is to partner with God to celebrate the people around you? Like celebrating like who other people are and their uniqueness and their personality. Like what that does to them and how God uses that. Celebration is so important in the kingdom of God. Our celebration of who Jesus is just extends into our celebration of one another. Are you with me? Like, like because the, the counter of, ce- of celebrating other people, if you're not celebrating the people around you, you'll start comparing yourself to the people around you. The counter of celebration is comparison, and you won't even realize you're doing it. Well, and when you begin to compare yourself for other people because you're not celebrating who they are, one of two things happens. You end, end, either end up becoming judgmental. You begin to size people up. <laughs> do they really deserve to have what they have? Do they deserve to be able to do an experience what they're experiencing? What, right? You begin to size people up. But the reality is everything we have and everything we do and everything we experience is completely because of God's grace. It's not your job to judge. That's God's job. It's your job to celebrate who people are. Whoa, man. They're amazing. I don't know how they do what they do or why they do what they do, but, man, God's doing it, man. It's amazing. And if you're, when you're comparing, you'll start judging. And if you're not judging, you'll start competing with one another. You'll start measuring yourself up with other people. And if you don't feel like you measure up, you'll feel less than. You're trying to get somewhere that you're never supposed to get. Are you with me? The counter of celebration is this comparison, which leads to judgment and competition. And Leif Hetland says, we're not supposed to be competing with one another. We're supposed to be completing one another. Let me, let me just encourage you this morning, church. The only person you should ever compare your life to is the person of Jesus Christ. Our goal is to become like him. Don't be like the person next to you because then who's going to be you? Come on. You're not supposed to be you. You play a unique 
powerful role. You are a unique part that makes up the body. If you're not playing your part, how's the body function the way God wants it to? Stay in your lane. Do your role. Do you. But look, man, Psalms 139, 14. Let me just speak over you as an individual inside the context of family. Let me just tell you this. You are awesome. You, you, you're amazing. God not only loves you, he likes who you are. He thinks you're awesome. If he thinks you're awesome, you can believe you're awesome. Oh, man, just have the freedom to believe that you're awesome. Psalms 139, 14 says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians 2, 10 says you're his masterpiece, his handiwork, his poem. James 1, 18 says you're his prized possession, the apple of his eye. Uh, Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5 says he knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb and set you apart. Which means he got excited about your uniqueness, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your personality. He got excited about you representing him in ways that no one else can because there's no one quite like you. Be you. And if he thinks you're awesome, he thinks the person next to you is awesome, so celebrate them. Woo! What if we begin to see our family around us and, and, and God using them, them operating in, you, in gifts and abilities. Man, what if, man, I can't believe the way they operate in words and knowledge is just amazing. Man, every person they pray for, man, they get healed. Man, they just prophesy like crazy. And instead of comparing and being jealous or being judgmental or competing, what if we went, man, that's amazing. Why? Oh, because God's using them. And isn't the goal for not people to encounter you, but for people to encounter him? Oh, man, look at them operating in this crazy gift. And God is at work in them and through him. And the kingdom of God is being advanced. What if we started celebrating one another? Kingdom family celebrates one another. Kingdom family loves one another with an unconditional love. There's like no strings attached. Like freely I've received and freely I give away because I'm free. I'm free from you. Listen, the counter of an unconditional love is the spirit of offense. And I believe that one of the greatest ways that the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy kingdom family is with the spirit of offense. It, It is... It is so much easier for us to go into a place like Walmart where we don't know anybody. I don't know their stuff. I don't know what they've done. I don't know what they're going through. We, we go up to just somebody. We don't know anything about them, their past, the sins they have or haven't committed, the way that they treated their family that morning, the things that they just got through thinking or saying. I don't know anything about you. All I know is that God loves you. And Jesus paid a price for you. Therefore, I love you. And we get to just encourage them and love on them and pray for them. And maybe they get saved or maybe their body gets healed or something happens. It's so much easier for that than for you and I to live inside the context of kingdom family. Whether it be your blood relatives or your church family, your small group, whatever. Where you, you know the people around you. Some people pretty well. You might know their stuff. You, you, you might know the, the mistakes that they made. You know the way they've treated you and what they've said to you before. And because of that, whether you realize or not, you're building this offense towards them. And, and I want to get to a place in my life. It's whether I run into John Doe at Walmart, know nothing about him, or I'm running with people that I've been running with for years. 
that nothing changes the way that I see them. The way that I treat them. The way that I respond to them. And the way that I honor them. Not for who they appear to be or what they have or haven't done, but for who Jesus says they are. It is a bummer that oftentimes we will treat people we don't know better than the people that we know that we call family. That ain't right, family. Everybody look at me right now. To treat somebody that you don't know better than your own family members is not the kingdom of God. That's got to change. We're not supposed to build a fence. We're supposed to build a bridge because you were not created to go at this alone. Freely you've received. See, here's what's so amazing. Man. Jesus has set me free from me so I could be all about him. And he set me free from being hurt, offended, and jaded by the world around me so that I don't become a part of the problem. I get to be a solution to the problem. Why? Because I'm free. When you choose to be hurt and offended, listen, this is a give me. There's people around you every day that don't know what they don't know. So they don't know how to love and how to treat and how to honor people. That's a gimme. To be offended with them, you got to get on your knees and ask God about that. Inside the context of family, though, look, look man, how many know that everybody in this room, we're all on a journey. Nobody in this room has arrived. We're all in process with Jesus. And because we're on a journey, because we're in process, because we haven't arrived, we make mistakes. There's one perfect person in this room, and his name is Jesus, and he lives in you, which means that you are perfect before the Father. But because we're on a journey of becoming more and more like him, you might make a mistake. You might say something you don't mean, or you might say it and you actually mean it and realize later that was wrong. Woo! And so when you choose to be hurt and offended by your family members, what you're doing is you take on their journey. You begin to carry their process with the Lord. That ain't yours to carry. That's Jesus's to carry. He's already carried to the cross. When you become offended and begin to build a fence because of your family members, you carry their stuff, you carry their journey, you carry their process. And all of a sudden, man, the longer you carry it, the heavier it gets. And then you begin to pawn it off on other people. Will you help me carry this? And then they become offended with the same people. And you begin to build this fence. And I tell you what, y'all, it's time that that stops in the body of Jesus Christ. You've been set free from you. So you cannot be a part of the problem so you can have a grace to meet people where they are no matter what they've done and actually be a solution to helping loving them towards the heart of the Father. How freeing is that? They ain't nothing anybody in this room could ever say or do to me to make me hurt or offended at you. I promise you can ask my wife. Because I'm free from you. I don't want to carry your process. That's between you and the Father. I want to be a part of a blessing to you. I want to meet you where you are and say, man, you're forgiven. I don't, it's all good, dude. We're in a journey and process. Or I want to know myself well enough in my love for Jesus, my love for other people to go up to someone and say, man, I did not do that right. I didn't handle it. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm in process. Oh. You want to be free? Jesus came to set the captive free, man. Be free from people. Be free to love them. 
Be free to celebrate them. Be free to meet them where they are no matter what they've done. And be a solution to the problem. Are y'all okay? Are you happy? Isn't it fun to live inside the context of family? Oh my gosh. Kingdom family celebrates one another. Kingdom family loves one another unconditionally. And kingdom family empowers one another towards the heart of the Father. Listen, I think one of the greatest ways that we can empower one another is through our words. The, the tongue is such a powerful weapon. In, in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those, we, don't, we, we skip this part. Watch, this is crazy. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Your life is a reflection of the fruit from your tongue. In other words, the things that come out of your mouth produce a fruit. And it's either life or it's death. And it not only impacts the people around you, that becomes the fruit that you eat too. And if things that you're saying is producing death, that becomes the nutrients that you get from. Are you with me? This is how powerful the tongue is. the, The tongue has the power of life and death. So the things that come out of your mouth actually begin to produce fruit that not only the people around you come and pick. I don't know about you, but I want people to pick life off me. But it becomes the fruit that you begin to pick and eat as well because you're the tree. That's what that scripture's saying. Your life is a reflection of the fruit from your words. In, In the book of James, it says that our tongue is like a small rudder that directs the entire ship. God has put us in position to partner with him with our tongue to literally steer someone on the course that God always intended for them to go. Are you happy this morning? Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is edifying the body of Christ. If you don't have anything good to say, you should keep your mouth shut. Psalms 19.14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth, the meditation, be pleasing in your sight, God. We need to watch what we say because our tongue is a weapon that God wants to use for his glory. Kingdom family celebrates, loves, and empowers one another. Listen, I don't know, for some of you, man, with this whole words thing, you can't get offended with me because we just got through talking about that. <laughs> For some of you, you need to stop cursing. Amen. You need to stop saying cuss words. Yeah. Do, does Jesus say it? If your goal is to become more and more like him, if he doesn't say it, you probably shouldn't say it. Amen. Is it in the Bible? When you have your quiet time with Jesus and he speaks to you, does he use that kind of language? If your goal is to become like him, you ought to get on your knees every day and say, Jesus, I will not say anything unless I see you doing it first. Unless I see you say it first. Some of you, man, you need to watch what's coming out of your mouth because your words, man, carry so much weight, not only for the people around you, but for you. Oh, it's just a cuss word. It's just a word and somebody deemed it cussed. No, does Jesus say it? Jesus wants to possess us. Our eyes, our nose, 
our ears, our tongue, our chest, our arms, our tummy. I won't go any lower than that. He wants to possess every part of who you are so that everywhere we go as the body of Christ, we reflect him. We produce the kind of fruit that releases life, man. Are you happy? Some of you are like, I'm not sure. That's the conviction of the Holy Ghost, not West Springer. I mean, listen, for, for some people this morning, I know I'm, I'm, we're out of time. For some people this morning, look, th- this hit me this morning as I was praying. Actually, last night. I feel like for some people inside the context of family, our, our dad used to teach this and preach this when he would travel with his rock and roll Christian band. He, he, he would say some of the three of the hardest words to actually share and open up with people are, I need help. Some of you, man, you're, you're in, you live inside the context of family and you realize that I need one another. But man, it, it's like everything to get you to just ask somebody if you could pray for them. I'm sorry, if they could pray for you. It's like everything to get you to come to a place to come up to me. Somebody that loves you so much and go, hey, Wes, I need help. And I go, oh, man, I know the helper. And I'd love to partner with you and help you right now. For some of you, man, it's just those simple words. I need help. I'm, I'm doing this alone, and I've got family around me that actually wants to help me. Just give it a try. Man, some of you are struggling with your business. And there's somebody right, there's somebody in this church family that, that knows things that you don't know. And you, you can have coffee with them. And they can help you with your business. Some of you are struggling financially. And there are people in here that are really smart that make a lot of money. That should be getting all those angels off the tree. I ain't kidding. You think I'm playing? Some of you, man, could go pick up that tree out there and walk out the door with it and not bat an eye. Bicycles, tablets. For God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus. He gave up everything. The least we could do is share with the people around us what we have so they can encounter the God that lives inside of us. And it's as simple as getting coffee with someone to say, man, I just need help in this area. I need help. My family is struggling with whatever, this sickness. Get somebody to pray with you, man. For some of you this morning, I I, I felt this as the invitation. Not only do we lay our life down to Jesus, but because we lay our life down for Jesus, we also get to lay our life down for our brothers and our sisters. I just saw that scripture just now. I can't, what what is it? Uh, It's in John. Oh, no, no, it's not. It's in 1 John 3.16. We get to lay our life down for our brothers and sisters, man. For some of you, it's like you're coming to the altar this morning. I don't care. It doesn't, it just, you just come, okay? If you've got kids, go grab them in just a second, okay? You come to the altar this morning, and it's, I'm ready to start celebrating people. I'm tired of comparing and judging and being jealous. For some of you, I'm, I'm tired of building a fence. I'm ready to build a bridge. Some of you are, are building a fence, and you call it healthy boundaries. That ain't what a healthy boundary looks like. Because the healthy boundary ain't, for, ain't like for you. It's for the sake of the people around you. A healthy boundary actually invites people in in a healthy way. It's a whole other message. But that's your excuse. 
It's, I'm ready to begin to love people unconditionally. I'm ready to tear down this fence. For some of you, I'm ready to go apologize. I'm ready to, to receive like, and, and let people know that they are forgiven. It's okay. And for some of you, man, you just got to clean up your tongue. You need to come down here front and you got throw your tongue on the ground before Jesus and give him your, your words. Man, let's all stand up. We need one another. I'm going to pray for us. And as I'm praying, man, you just come forward, man. You just come get on your face, get on your knees, or sit where you're sitting. Submit your life to Jesus. Lay down your life for your brothers and sisters. God, we love you so much. God, we love you. We need you. We want more of you. God, I thank you that you created us to live inside the context of kingdom family. I thank you that it's okay to say that we, we, we need one another. And it's okay to say that we need help. So we just come before you, Jesus, just smitten and submitted and surrendered to who you are. We, we, we just come together as the family around the table to bring our own special sauces and flavors and dishes to bless the people around us. We thank you, God, that we get to live a life of celebration, of unconditional love, and empowering others with our words. We love you, God. We need you. We want more of you. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Whatever it is you need this morning, just stay in it for just another minute. I'm going to be up here. I can pray with you. Caroline and Melanie are right here. And Sarah and Brittany and Annie, they can pray with you too.